Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be listening to us. It's a great wide world brought together by the internet. Last for you guys to a podcast. Our live show is back in action here from our comfortable Atlanta other studios. Our main studio is Leon's Kitchen. This is our secondary studio. Decided to go a little virtual here today, and we probably will do the virtual route next week as well. Why, you ask? Well, there's a little something called the World Series will be in town. That's right. The Atlanta Braves did not let it go seven. It went six. Braves down the Dodgers four to two. They are in. They're going to play the Houston Astros, which sent the Boston Red Sox out by a similar score, four games to two. Of course, we'll be talking about football as well, but basketball too but let's start out obviously the Braves are in they're going for the World Series they are the champions of the National League congratulations to everyone involved in a series that really did have kind of a us against the world kind of vibe to it the only difference is it really was the Atlanta Braves against the world or at least the entire National League media press Uh, certain elements in Los Angeles press did not help matters. I'm, of course, referring to Mr. Bill Plaschke of the Los Angeles Times, who served to try to denigrate the Braves and Waffle House all in one sentence, and he was the one who got smack smothered and covered. So, guys, what are the Braves' chances against Houston in the World Series, and do you take issue with how Atlanta has been treated? Or, in another way of saying it, do you buy into the national media's what the national media was trying to uh, was trying to promulgate? Be, be it that Atlanta, crummy sports town, Braves, really nothing against really everything anti-Atlanta. Leon, let me get this. Uh, let me say, let me say this: the media and everyone else has a right to say, including Bill Plasky, who, by the way, I'm a fan of. Um, when he's on the round the horn at, at five o'clock on ESPN on most occasions, mm-hmm. um, and he's one of the better beat writers in Los Angeles. Okay, we, we'll put it that way. Um, but they have a right to say what they say. I mean, we were only the 12th best team record-wise in Major League Baseball this year. We were only we were the team with the worst record out of all of the division winners. We're the first sub 90 win team since 2014 to advance to the world series. Okay. Yeah. We, they all have that mentality, but we also have an us against the world mentality. Yes. Marcelo Zuna wasn't there. He's had legal issues. He had an injured finger. Ronald Acuna, who I consider the best all around player in baseball, uh, out with a torn ACL, uh, revamp your entire outfield because of that, because you get rid of uh, NCRT who didn't play well. And guess what? We're in the World Series and we beat the mighty, mighty Dodgers. Okay, the same team that beat us. Here's a lesson here for everybody. There's two lessons that we have to remember for this. I, I haven't even begun to name every single feat, every single thing that we've had to overcome. Okay, for 126 days we were under 500. It would take the whole show so if you if you enumerated all of them. 
Yeah, if I wanted, yeah, we, we could say we could call this the whole Atlanta Braves show. Exactly. To get everybody else today. I mean, you're not even talking about the pitching staff with Soroika out, Max Freed yeah. lost some time. I mean, boy, and the outfield, which was put together at the trading deadline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what that's what I was mentioning. That was put together at the trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. We were seven games out of first place. The Phillies were in first place at one point in time. Okay. You're right. We weren't supposed to go to the World Series. So, of course, it's going to be an us-against-the-world mentality. But what have I always said about failure or about losing? It's your greatest teacher. It is our greatest teacher. And the teacher got taught a lesson, and that was the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. The Dodgers, listen, they they are as good as it gets. Maybe some people could say, "Well, hey, you didn't have Matt, you didn't have Matt Serger to go up against." <laughs> Please, and, we had Walker Bueller, right. who will be a side Young winner one day. Mm-hmm. And he could be this year. And he he pitched that well for them to to be able to do that. Listen, it was our turn. Four years after everything that we've been through. The first NL East title run, we had to go against the Dodgers in the divisional round. Lost three games to one. The second divisional championship, everybody remembers game five, ten to nothing after the bottom of after the top of the first inning. Everybody remembers that against the Cardinals. Right. The third one, which was last year, up three games to one against this same Dodgers team, it was up three games to one this year. They remembered that. They remembered how they got here, and they remember what happened. All three of those losses from the years prior to that, they said, nope, not this year. Now, against the Astros, a team that's been here before, they know what it takes. They they still have Altuve. They still have Correa, and they still have good pitching. And, and listen, not to take anything away from them because this is going to be a tough test for Atlanta. The, the Astros showed me the night before, uh, showed me Saturday night, or Friday night, rather, that, man, you got to come, regardless if it was either the Dodgers or us, we got to come ready to play. We got to come ready to hit. We got to come ready to pitch. Every pitch has to count. Every at-bat has to count when it comes to the Houston Astros. Because they won that game five nothing, but they only allowed two hits against a Boston team that had hit two grand slams in a game and three during the whole series. And three during the whole series. I mean, this this wasn't a walkover team. Now this was the same Boston team that was picked that was projected to be last in the division at that season's beginning, and for them to get to the ALCS is an amazing feat of its own. But this Houston Astros team is nothing to play with. There's nothing to sniff at. They are the favorites. They deserve to be the favorites. That's fine. Let them be the favorites. Let us continue to make this magical ride going. Because it's not about who's the best team. It's about who's the hottest team. And right now, if you look at it, on the eye test, the Atlanta Braves are past the eye test as being the hottest team in baseball. They have found their niche. Freddie Freeman struggled at the beginning. But guess what? He's now hitting the baseball now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just impressed with – and the most thing that I'm impressed with is the pitching staff. I mean, 
Brian Snicker made a made a move last night that I think everybody questioned. But in baseball, this is what you have to do. You have to make questions. Ian Anderson was pitching well through four innings, but his spot came out in the bottom of the fourth. Snicker put a pinch hitter in, which means his night was over. Right. That pinch hitter got on base, and that's what led to Rosario's three-run home run, who was the MVP of the series, who was one of those guys that was traded that we traded for in mid in mid season mm-hmm. to replace one of those outfielders that we that we no longer have at right. least for the season rather. So, kudos to Snicker for making him for making that move and doing that. Listen, Charlie Morton's going to get better. Ian Anderson and Max Fried are going to stay that way. Of course, you're going to have a bullpen day. The bullpen looks amazing. Will Smith shut it. Came in, shut it down. If we keep this thing rolling, I don't see why we can't beat Houston. And and I think, and, and honestly, I'm gonna be honest. I'm being a homer, maybe, but I think Atlanta can win the series in five. Okay. All right, Leon. What about you? You basically you are in the middle of all this because the battery is basically a mile from where you live. Uh, what is what is your sense heading into the World Series? Well, I'm, I'll be honest with you. You know, uh, I thought that when uh, Atlanta, uh, I thought when Atlanta Braves lost Marcel Acuna this year to um, personal problems, and you know, I, I believe at the time Atlanta might have been at 500 or just under 500. So you know, they, they, it looked to be, you know, pretty much the season looked to be over. Um, then we just we, we kind of put a lid on it, open back the lid, and you know they're in the playoffs. Now all of a sudden they're in the first World Series in 22 years. Yeah, I mean, yep. I am I am all but shocked. I mean, who's to say it can't happen? You know, what I'm concerned about to a certain degree is um, what a talent like Marcel Acuna, whose legal troubles may be behind him by next season. What? Will the front office do in reference to this man? You know, you know with a with a like that, it's kind of hard. You can't just disregard him, but at the same time, it's it's working without him. Why not? Yeah. So, yeah. Again, well, uh, hopefully next year. Off, you know, yeah, hopefully next year we'll have a Soroka um, back. We'll have a Mark. I'm, I'm still I'm still in the state of shock. Um, you guys put the Dodgers down, which is a cross town rival of my team. You know. So. <laughs> Say well, and it was it was lit over here too. It was definitely turned up on Kyle Parkway last night. That is big facts. Oh, I can I can imagine. Oh yeah, I can, I can only imagine what it was like coming in through through uh, Kyle Parkway and where and on Cumberland Mall. And I mean, and, and Atlanta was really was really lit last night anyway, guys. Because uh, of course Stevenson and Jamel Heron put on a fight. At That's State right. Farm Arena last night. That's so, right. They did. It was. It, 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 and, and congratulations to Shakur Stevenson grabbing yet another world title in another division. He stopped uh, Herring in the uh, tenth round of that matchup there. But yeah, I can see that Leon. That that was I, I'm pretty sure the scene at the battery was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. it was it was crazy. It was, it was crazy out here. And I can imagine what it's going to be like on uh, Friday night when the World Series comes to town. Uh, is it no wait? Is it Friday? 
Yeah, it must be Friday because I think the World yeah, Series starts on Friday, Tuesday. Yeah. So Tuesday and Wednesday in Houston, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the Battery, and then if necessary, Tuesday and Wednesday back in Houston. Hopefully, it does. Hopefully, Atlanta can close things out by then. But but you know the thing I yes we were getting um you know it was us against the world it was that but they were just really seemingly to go after our culture indicating that you know we really yeah. that atlanta really isn't a quality sports town and i think that was the issue and i think that was where we were going at what i what i thought the media was going after the national media going after that atlanta somehow the south somehow it seemed to reflect a kind of southern bias really that and that's kind of what that's and that's that's the sense that i picked up on it but again yeah. it, it proved to be it, it proved to be locker room material and really mm-hmm. this this is something that atlanta's been dealing with we dealt with it with trey young and now yeah. we're dealing it uh in this situation and, and, I, and think about it, and, and we've turned the corner. Mm-hmm. Like we seem like we turned the corner a little bit. It looked like you said, John, with with Trey, uh, with Trey Young. What did we do last year? We knocked off the number one seed in the Philadelphia 76ers, who was expected to be a, an NBA title contender. We took the eventual champion Milwaukee Bucks to six games uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. First off, we weren't even expected to go that far. Right, and then Trey Young puts his name on the map against the Knicks uh, in the first round. He puts his name even more out there as an elite superstar uh, in Philadelphia uh, against Philadelphia, and like I said, against Milwaukee. Hey, listen, they they got probably one of the best players in the world in Giannis and Antetokounmpo. Right. Okay, fine. But guess what? We were a five seed that year. We were five seed last year and got to the East Finals. Mm-hmm. Now Atlanta, who was a three seed this year, had eighty-seven wins this year. Struggled to get to the NL East. Had the base had to virtually win the NL East to even get to the postseason, and basically took it from Philadelphia with a three-game sweep and do what they needed to do. You take down Milwaukee. Of course, it was looking sketchy at the beginning because Charlie Morton lost the game. Right. So everybody now is like, oh, here we go again. And guess what? We went three straight. And that's, we take down the Dodgers, and, and, that's, and that's that. Go ahead, John. And that's kind of the other issue with the bullpen. Once the bullpen gets going and once the bullpen mm-hmm. makes any sort of mistake, we're thinking to ourselves, mm-hmm. okay, here it goes. Here it starts. You know, the, in, yes. the immolation, the implosion. You know that's what's going. That's what's going to happen. The see the sense of impending doom that you have as an Atlanta sports fan, knowing and that, that it's was coming. Game three, by the way. Huh? I'm sorry. That game was game three. Yeah, that game was game if three. Everybody started to look at it. It was game three. We were up five two in the bottom of the eighth, mm-hmm. and Luke Jackson comes in, and instead of throwing a slider, he throws a fastball up and in to Cody Bellinger, and he takes it out. Well, that was the and pitch that was. I mean, that was the that was the pitch that he was called to throw. He was supposed to throw that. Yes. That's what he was supposed to throw. He was supposed so, to throw it. So really, mm-hmm. don't blame. I mean, yeah, blame. If you want to blame somebody, blame the pitching coach or whoever. Ask, asking for that pitch, be, be it the catcher or whoever. That's who gets the blame for that. I mean, I don't blame Bell. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, they just guessed wrong on what he was expecting. 
And yeah, and then and and, and then Mookie Betts comes up and hits a and hits a go ahead uh single or a go ahead double, I think it was, and it's six five and now it's like, uh oh, we're in trouble. Right. It's two one and it looks like it's about to this is about to happen again. But guess what? Adversity always wins. Because mm-hmm. Atlanta won two out of the next three to close the series out. They had an 11-2 beatdown in the next game to tell people, hey, look, listen, this is different. We're hitting different. And of course, the Dodgers come back and do what they're supposed to do because they don't want to be eliminated at home. No. But Atlanta don't want to take this series to seven. And they had all the and they had everything in control. And and Truist Park was rocking. The house was rocking. 43,000. I heard was in attendance. Yep. So, listen. And many more than that game. was outside. And oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. So, this is going to be a great World Series, guys. I don't I don't think I, – I, I think that a lot of these games will come down to, to uh, bullpen work. Um, just got word that Framber Valdez will oppose Charlie Morton in game one. So that should be an interesting matchup. Yep. And, and we'll see what happens with that, man. I'm just I'm just happy that we get a shot at this. Yeah. Exactly. After the infield fly against the Cardinals, um, mm-hmm. after all that we've endured, yes, we we des- we deserve this. Hopefully Atl- yep. hopefully Atlanta can come through, can get that World Series against the Astros. And we talked about this. Um, I think you and I talked about it a little bit off uh, off air during one of our football games about what the Astro that the Astros are universally well hated uh, because regard because they are the face of the cheating scandal, the sign stealing scandal, something that everybody does, but they just happen to get caught at it. And we thought, and we had to, and we had to uh, basically say that the Astros are not going to be liked until they go through the cycle. They have to get down on their luck and then come back. And that's when you're going to see the Astros get fans. But until that happens, basically everyone, I hope people will be, will be able to cheer for the Braves against the Astros and be able to put that um, bias, for lack of a better word, behind them and be able to get behind this team. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the fans. Yeah, fans. Fans have a short memory, and though you know it was, I mean, sign stealing is an unwritten agreement that happens between everybody. At the same time, you're not supposed to get caught doing it, though. And you know, I don't think it was. I don't think it was such an egregious offense to the point where, you know, I, I don't think that all of baseball nation to turn against the Astros like that. I mean, we've seen worse happen, you know. For example, um, steroid gate yes. that occurred. That's, that's cheating the game. You know, that's definitely cheating the game. But, you know, um, that, and we've seen things happen in other sports, you know, with um, Belichick and the Spygate scandals that happened. You know, I think that's kind of cheating the game. But from what... Houston did, though it was egregious, there are levels to egregious. And I think that was below mid-level egregious right there. Because at the end of the day, 
Houston were winning those games by way of talent. You cannot fake bats. You cannot fake pitching. You cannot fake fielding. You can't steal that. So, you know, I hope people aren't going to dwell too much on the past in reference to that. My opinion, of course. No, that's that's no, that's good. That's that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much accurate. Yeah, well said. Accurate, dead on. Well said, Leon. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the commentary again. I'm John Morgan with Daniel Bolton, Leon Brown. Last week, guys, do a podcast with our Sunday night live show as the Atlanta Braves has won the National League. They're in the World Series again. Uh, we're on Facebook Live right now, and of course, this episode will drop on Tuesday wherever you get your favorite podcasts iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and the like. We've just been waxing on the Atlanta Braves, whether or not they will, what they the what they've been able to accomplish, winning the National League this season. And I want to change topics now. And uh, it's been a pretty good weekend because the Atlanta Falcons are winners. They beat they beat Miami thirty to twenty eight uh, in a. Once again, they had to come from behind, and Yonghoo Kim, uh, Yonghoo Koo, won it with a game-winning field goal. They are three and three. They are in third place now in the national in the uh, NFC South. They host Carolina this week, and Carolina is really without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. So, uh, do we do we like what we see from uh, from Atlanta? Yeah, I think they they hit a great direction. Um, here, I mean, there were some things that I saw that, uh, you know, kind of troubled me a little bit. I think the turnovers, uh, but a lot of those turnovers were really forced by Miami's play. I, I thought, especially the interception, um, where really had the ball taken from him by Xavier Howard, who really has been underachieving this year, uh, hasn't played like the Xavier Howard we saw last year. Um, but uh, again, Kyle Pitts is growing up in front of our, our, our very eyes, and he is making plays that we expect for a number draft, number four overall draft pick to make. Uh, the one-handed grab that he made was probably the catch of the year um, so far in the league on the sideline, but he also made an unbelievable catch that set us up first down to uh, – Put Koo in the position to to kick a game when it field goal. Matt Ryan was sensational again. You know, of course, the interception. I don't think the interception was his fault. Uh, the offensive line played very well as well. They they protected Matt Ryan for most parts of the game. I think Matt Ryan only got sacked one time. So it, it's been it, it was a great turnaround. Um, it was a great gutsy victory. My MVP for the day though. And, you know, of course you would pick Kyle Pitts and, and Matt Ryan and all those guys. But my MVP for the day is Deion Jones. Deion Jones made some made some plays. Uh, he had about 15 tackles today. But he made some key plays and he made some crucial plays uh, to avoid Miami from getting big yardages. And, and look, Tua played well. Tua made some mistakes. He, he made some mistakes, and I know he wish he could get back. But he was out there playing for his job because, I mean, the rumors are ramping up about Deshaun Watson in Miami. 
Yeah. So he was out there playing for a purpose today. And he played well. He had four touchdown passes. So it was it was okay. But it wasn't enough. That Miami Dolphins team is struggling. This was the same Dolphins team who went 10-6 and six last year, just missed the playoffs, and they're 1-6. Now, they they are a tremendous disappointment. Um, I don't know. It's, it's With them, it's a where do we go from here. For Atlanta, it's a momentum shift. They have Carolina next week who stunk up the place today. Oh, yeah, to the, the Giants. Giants team, to the Giants, and – and so bad that they had to sit their quarterback. They benched Sam Darnold. It, it was – this was bad for them. Mm-hmm. They needed this victory. And they've lost four in a row. They – they. I don't know what to say about them right now. And if the Saints lose tomorrow night, then Atlanta prepares themselves up to second place in the division. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's – this is this is some big-time football. And, and Atlanta right now is in the mix now. They have put themselves in the midst of something that they can do. All they have to do is keep putting it together and stay consistent. We've got these next three games are going to be tough. We've got Carolina, we've got New Orleans, and we've got Dallas the next three games. Yep. Yep. And not only that, remember at the halfway point last two seasons, Atlanta was 2-6. and six. So they're going to beat that this year. They're, they've already yeah. clinched that, and they might even clinch four or maybe five wins. And, yes, with the, and with the extra playoff spot, you know, things are going to get interesting for the Falcons this season. I liked – They're in the three-way pass to seven. Yep. Now. I like – I mean, I thought Calvin Ridley, he came back from his break, from his uh, – Mm-hmm. I mean, he he wasn't there for London. They had the bye last week, so Ridley came in fresh, and Matt Ryan immediately right. got him involved in the offense with with a with a touchdown pass. So I thought getting mm-hmm. him involved was was good. And you look at the Falcons; yep. they have, the one thing about Atlanta is they have yet to win in Atlanta. Their three wins yes. were in Miami, New York, and London. Yeah. So they need to have a strong performance Sunday afternoon in front of the home crowd to try and get them back in but of course that game is going to be up against game five of the world series now it won't be the same time of course but that's still going to be you know it's it's still going to result in a little bit of divided loyalty for the atlanta for atlanta fans but yeah they they need to play well this thursday this saturday saturday afternoon against as you mentioned carolina looked horrible Against the uh, against the Giants, a team that, frankly, is not very good anyway, and it's. But I want to get back to what you said about Tua looking over his shoulder, at at um, at Deshaun Watson possibly coming from Houston. Well, actually, the trade deadline's coming up, and I think it's I think it's in two weeks, and mm-hmm. it goes back to another point that I like to make about how rookie quarterbacks they're thrown in but they have absolutely no leash to develop. And you look at look at a quarterback like Justin Fields against Tampa Bay today. He Tom yeah. Brady is taking him to school in this yeah. in this in this matchup, but I think the Bears are ready to make the move to Fields when Andy Dalton comes back. I think they're ready to make that move, but you, again, you got to stick with him. You got to let him learn. You just have to hope that in Tua's case, what you see at the end of the season, you have to see growth. 
and the fans, all they want to see are W's, and are, all they want are W's. Coaches have to learn to say, okay, is the growth there? Because if the growth is there, the W's are going to come. If he has terrible, uh, if he doesn't have a line, you know, do you, is it a matter of upgrading his line? Is it a matter of getting him some good skill players? I mean, you got to figure, you got to see some kind of growth with with uh, Tua's development. And I think that we, all too often we see rookie quarterbacks get get the plug pulled way too fast, stunts their growth, and they soon wash it out of the league. Uh, Leon, you had a point. Yeah, um, today, you know, I kind of like what I've seen out of Tua today. Believe it or not. Yeah, he, yeah for, he threw the, the man, I mean, when your offense puts up 28 points and he, he was responsible for he threw four touchdowns today. Mm-hmm. If you're, I mean, granted, you're not going to win every shootout. But in a sense, he did shoot it out today with the Falcons. It's just, unfortunately, his defense, he wasn't wearing the best. His defense didn't hold up. If you look at the last two minutes of that Falcons game, I mean, the Atlanta Falcons ran a textbook two-minute drill against the Miami, um, against the Miami Dolphins. Textbook. They had some resistance, but that pass that Matt Ryan dumped over the top with one minute, I think three seconds left, with two Miami defenders. The defend who was that wide receiver caught that pass? Um, that was Pitts. Yeah, it was Pitts. Yeah, that was, that was Pitts. Okay, that was the, that was a draft pick. The Miami Dolphins secondary and the Atlanta Falcons secondary is on the clock right now. Because both secondaries look a little shaky today. Whenever you have a second year, yeah. Whenever you have a second year quarterback carving your secondary up for four touchdowns, and you're talking about a subpar team like the Miami Dolphins, which you know, they just got to get together. I mean, they right, right now they have instability at the quarterback position. Tua, you know, being injured last year and kind of he's been injury prone this year. You know, having Jacoby Brissett up in there, you know, things are kind of shaky on that. But you know. At the same time, if you're a team like the Atlanta Falcons, whom, you know, I think to a certain degree they're – I think they're better than a 500 team. But they, 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 it's safe to say that the record thus far is pretty – the, the Atlanta Falcons are, are a respectable 3-3 three and three right now. Respectable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but if you want to, if, if the Atlanta Falcons want to take that next step forward, that leak that's going on in the secondary right now has to be fixed. It has to be. Because you have, well, you have Jameis Winston coming to town. He's, he's what I'm called Jameis, a veteran quarterback. Then you have the fight, the, presumably. Um, I believe that the Cowboys may be six and one or seven and one by the time they face the Falcons coming to town. With you know, it, it's it's going to be it, it's going to be clear that, that the secondary has to has to step it up in order for the Falcons to take that next step. That's what I'm looking at. That's what that, that was my takeaway from the game. I, I, I like the fact that the Falcons won won the game. You know, I do live in Atlanta. I just don't like the fact that 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 uh, a second year or presumably rookie quarterback. Through for four touchdowns. That and you know, and for two to be playing, I, I got you, Daniel. For two to be playing for his job right now, I, this early in his career, 
I don't like for the same reasons John doesn't like it. He's still a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still getting the – he's still wet behind the ears. Yep. My, my goodness, I mean, what do they expect? Every every rookie quarterback is not going to be Mac Jones. And I like what I've seen today in, in, in New England as far as him. That's what they're supposed to do to the Jets, by the way. They're yep. supposed to do that. Well, well, ever since Tom Brady left New England, they have won 10 games. 40% of that has been the New York Jets. Yeah. So, yeah, true. I mean, I... So, the Jets are the punching bag in it, uh, for the Patriots. Basically. Yes, they have always been the Patriot punching bag. And, and the thing about that is, well, now they don't have to play them the rest of the year. So, they're, so Jets are liking that. New England isn't, because now they actually have to get teams that will contend, will contend with them, including Atlanta, a little later on in the year. Well, I will say this to, to Leon's point about the secondary. You, you are right. The secondary did get a little flustered, uh, and it was really that RPO that flustered him. But not only that, A.J. Terrell couldn't stay in the game. He couldn't stay healthy today uh, with a, a apparent neck injury, and Eric Harris had a shoulder injury today. So that, that secondary got depleted a little bit, and I think uh, I think Ron Harmon went down too. I, Fabian Moreau got banged up a little bit, and, and Moreau played pretty well in that secondary. But, you know, just just putting that in reference, and, and not to saying that you're not right, but there, we did see a little bit of the second unit have to come in and have to step up and, and, and play a little bit. So um, that was my whole thing about Atlanta. Yes, you're right, Leon. They do have to clean up some stuff in the secondary if they want to compete. Um, not quite like what Kansas City has to do because Kansas City oh, has Lord. to clean their entire defense. Yeah. There, there is a problem in Kansas City, folks, and, and it's time that somebody said it, and I'll say it. They have a problem, mm-hmm. and it's their defense. And it's the defense, and, they, and that entire team got exposed today because Patrick Mahomes cannot score – 40 points in a game today. They got humiliated by uh, – it, it, it was a day of shocking humiliations. Today. Yes, Tennessee jumped on them from the yeah. – they jumped on them from the get-go yeah. and wound up winning 27-6. First time in Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes' career that he fails to throw for 250 yards or a touchdown. That is crazy. And then go up to Baltimore. We, we, we were talking about – how great Lamar Jackson is, and he still is great. Mm-hmm. He still is great. But Joe Burrow came in there, and 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 Jamar Chase, and that Cincinnati Bengals team kind of put forty one up on on Baltimore, and they weren't even and and they couldn't compete today. So they lost forty one seventeen. It was just a, a shocking day of of just beatdown. Mm-hmm. And Derrick Henry didn't even score a touchdown in that in that Kansas City game. But he, he threw, threw one. one. He threw one. He threw for one. Yeah. Yeah, he threw for one. It was just a shocking day of football today, to be honest with you. It, it, I mean, it, it actually kind of spilled over from Saturday, too, because I, I thought even though some of the top teams did not lose, mm-hmm. uh, Penn State did go down. But even some of those top teams came close to losing. Yeah. Yeah, Cincinnati had all they could trouble, all they could handle with Navy. Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Oklahoma and Kansas. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. 
Woo. What in the world? <laughs> yeah, Kansas put out a Twitter blast in the third quarter saying, hey, we're waiving our ticket requirements. Get your rear side over here and cheer us to victory. And, of course, as soon as they do that, Oklahoma remembers their Oklahoma and Kansas is Kansas and proceed to blow them out. But, you know, it was just one of those. It could have gone a lot worse than what it did. Sanity prevailed at the end. Upset of the week, number seven, Penn State goes down to uh, Illinois at home in nine overtime. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that was a bit of a shocker heading into next week's showdown with Ohio State and Columbus. Pretty much knocked uh, Penn State out of the Big Ten championship race, and, and they actually fell to 20 because of that loss uh, today. But still a tough test for Ohio State. I don't think that Penn State going down by, by, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, that, that was pretty much a, a bad loss for, for Penn State, though. Yeah. It yeah. was. Is, is there such thing as a bad win? No. It, well, it, it, but in college football, it, it, the way that the posters do it and the way that the committee is going to look at it, in the case of Oklahoma, they they haven't looked impressive as far as winning games go. They had a close game against Tulane. They had a close game against uh, uh, and last last yesterday. Nearly lost to Kansas. They, Kansas. Yeah, they should be blowing these people out of the water in the first half yeah. and just basically coasting. That's how potent your offense is supposed to be. And it's we're just not seeing it. It bodes very poorly for Oklahoma if they can get if they do make the playoffs and get out of the Big Twelve championship game. Alabama just jumped Oklahoma. The polls. Yeah. yeah. And they should have. And they should have. Yeah. Like I, and like I said earlier, you know, when Alabama lost, I mean, all this does is it flips Georgia and Alabama. It doesn't do – we're still going to – more than likely both of – unless Alabama loses again, more than likely we're going to see Alabama in the playoffs. And we still might see them even if Georgia beats them in the championship. Of course, we won't know that for sure till the uh, Battle of the Swamp this weekend down in Jacksonville because that is Georgia Florida week. So, all right, we got a couple minutes. We got about 20 minutes left to go. Let's talk about Reinhardt, the Eagles. Daniel and I were up in Waleska yesterday calling an interesting ball game 14 to 6. Reinhardt wins it over Faulkner. And Daniel, it's just a strangest game because here, here's Faulkner, high potent offensive, high potent offense. They could throw the ball at ease. Cade Young was throwing the ball with ease, but something happened when he got to the red zone, and the Eagles' defense of Reinhardt just stiffened, bowed their necks, whatever you want to call it, prevented him from scoring a touchdown, holding him for just two field goals, getting all sorts of turnovers. What a game for the much maligned Reinhardt defense. It was, I and... and John, you and I, I think we both enjoyed this game because it was probably like one of the first games that we've seen. I, I think it was the closest game I had ever seen from Reinhardt, and I have been calling Reinhardt games for like the last four or five years. Yes. And in comes Faulkner, who ranked 15th in the country. They are looking to make a statement 
mm-hmm. and a true statement that they was looking to say, hey, we can come in here, we can beat these guys. Yep. And they nearly did. They just could not get the ball in the end zone. Um, but for Reinhardt, they have to clean up the penalties. Oh, they yes. They had 11 penalties. They had 11 penalties where I believe it was 225 or 125 125 yards, yards. yes. 125 yards. And they had 11 penalties. And one of them was – I would say this, John, and I think you might agree with me on this one. Four of those penalties were probably penalties that shouldn't have been on right. on Ryan Hart. Especially uh, the targeting of, penalty. That, oh, yeah, on that, Whitlock. Yep, that allowed keep going Whitlock. Uh, it was already the yeah. sliding Cade Young, but when Cade Young started his slide, Whitlock was already vertical. Mm-hmm. And, and there was really not much you could do on that. There were a couple of holding penalties that negated one of Solomon's big runs. Dylan Kelly had mm-hmm. a big game that was also taken out by a penalty. So they got to clean that up. But, man, Teon Burroughs finally had a probably the game of his life, certainly the game of his season in this, in this contest. He had two sacks, three tackles for a Three tackles for loss, six tackles overall. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He led the team in tackles with six. I mean, he was just a force on the on that end. And, you know, good job for him. Reiner recorded about four sacks in this game. And give credit to the right. their offensive line because Faulkner didn't get, didn't get any. Two interceptions, yeah, two interceptions and three fumble recoveries. Of course, uh, Faulkner picked up two fumbles of their own. And part of five turnovers from Faulkner, you're—I mean, I don't care who you are—and all those turnovers, I bet, were in the red zone. Certainly, yeah, the two interceptions. The two interceptions were, and at least two of the fumbles were in the red zone. Yeah, and of course, Jalen Everett caught one uh, in the end zone. Yep, actually, he also caught one in the end zone. Kellen Neal caught the other interception, but it, it was—it it was something. To see, it, it was a test, and I don't think Faulkner should should fall that far. You know, if, if you ask me, I think they should stay stay put at where they are, because I think that they are among one of the league's top teams, yeah, and should deserve a playoff berth. Uh, they played like champions; they just couldn't get the ball in the end zone, mm-hmm. and that's just what it was. Uh, Reinhardt will, will move up; they'll probably be a step closer. Because I believe it was it was Iowa Wesleyan that uh, I, lost. It was Indiana Wesleyan, I think. In, Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah, a, yeah Indiana the team Wesleyan. directly above them lost, so they'll at least get mm-hmm. into nine and be just one away from that top eight position in a home game in the first round of the playoffs. And certainly three, I would say, extremely winnable games left on the schedule starting this Saturday with St. Andrews. Who's St. Andrews? Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, I don't know if you saw this, Daniel. They played Bluefield yesterday. They put 62 points on Bluefield and lost. <laughs> and lost? And lost. Wow. 74 wow. to 62 was the final score uh, between the and Bluefield you said that's and St. basketball score. Yes, basketball started early. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> it, that makes sense because Bluefield defense is, is that bad. But their offense and their passing offense is that good. Uh-huh. I mean, they can they can pass with the with the best of them. Whew, man, that's that's a tough one for St. Andrews to lose. I don't expect for them though. 
I think they're going to take on a much, much better defense than oh, oh in Ryan Hart. I'm sorry. It was 79 to 64. Oh, wow. That's, that's a lot of points. <laughs> that is. <laughs> my, my score sheet would not even take that many points. <laughs> So we gotta be we gotta be ready next week uh, in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Well, the NBA has started, and Leon is already hanging his head because he knows where I'm going with this. What is going on with the Lakers? Why is Dwight Howard and Antonio Davis an undercard in the latest uh, UFC fight? What is going on with those Lakers after two games? See, see you guys in June. We'll, we'll, we'll be okay. We will be okay. This is, you know, remember when, um, if you guys remember once upon a time ago, we're, we're going to show our age on this one, but there was this super team that came, that, that assembled about 10 years ago in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. LeBron, D-Wade, Chris Bosh, and a host of role players, Eddie House, Merle Chalmers, um, I believe... Um, I'm going to go off and name his name. Uh, he played center. Hassan, what, was it, what was the brother? He's still on the team to this day. You, you know, you got his husband, okay? I think you got his husband was actually the, was, was actually the original Heat player drafted when they came about in the, in the franchise. He's still on that team. But at the same time, 2011, they come out, they had the big concert, they come out, a like, new edition. You know, I mean, it, it, it was huge. We, we all remember it. That team, at, um, 17 games into the season, was 9-8. Mm-hmm. They were 9-8. They were just yeah. one game above 500. This is almost approaching game number 20. Because they had to have figured it out. You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to figure this out? Uh, you have, I mean, during, during the game, you had, I mean, I, I can see the logic, but at one point in time, for four minutes, Rajon Rondo and Russell Westbrook were on, the, were on the floor at the same time. I don't see anything wrong with that. But, but who's the point guard? we, we got to make it work. Whenever Russell Westbrook and Rajon Rondo's on the floor, Rajon Rondo has to be the point guard. Right. Mm-hmm. Westbrook has to be the shooting guard. Period. If Rondo was on the court, he is the point guard. I have no problems with Russell Westbrook running the point, but even when you have Westbrook and LeBron on the on the floor at the same time, you guys remember back in 2020, LeBron James led the entire league for the year in assists, averaging 10 assists per game channeling his inner Magic Johnson. No one had a problem with that. We won the finals the rest of history. Westbrook eventually will find his stride at the point guard position with the Lakers. You know, this, we're talking about a Westbrook who is known for putting up 20-20 games, and I'm talking about 20 points and 20 assists. You have He has, I mean, a slew of wide receivers around him to just dish the ball off and get assists to. I, you know, it's just a, he has to look himself in the mirror at this point. What, yeah. There's no longer necessary at this point in your career to go out there and try to score 40 points. We don't need that. We have, you have nothing but the hitters around you. You have more hitters than anybody can hit around you. 
just do do Westbrook, be, be, be Westbrook, but just be Westbrook with the assist, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm channeling my, 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 my inner um, Bad Boys Part 1 basketball scene with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith and they're talking to um, that Captain Burkhall mm-hmm. in the gym. And he's like, you be, and he's talking about Will Smith, um, you be him, just not around her. All right. Let's look, you be him, but be, be, be yourself. When it's, you know, I, I just need this man to get 20 assists and make, I need Westwood to average um, about 20 points, I mean, 12 points and 20 assists. All right. Leave the rebounding to Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and, and it's no longer necessary for him to do all that, which he did in Oklahoma City and Washington. It's no longer necessary. And in Houston, it's, it's, we don't need you going out there getting 15 boards anymore. We don't need you trying to score 49 points. It's not necessary. Just be a point guard. That's it. You know, just command the offense, control the offense, control the tempo, you know, the way I'm sounding right now is the way I see this going right now, all over the place. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Um, there's no need to panic. And in, in the words of Aaron Rodgers to um, Laker Nation and to the rest of the Lakers opposition out there, because I'm hearing that work, I'm hearing it at work. <laughs> Just relax. In the words yeah. of Aaron Rodgers. Well, you, and that's what I would say. Yeah. Go ahead, Leon. But, but, again, you have to tell that to Dwight Howard and Antonio Davis so they don't go fighting each other on the bench, right? Oh, that was a bad look. Oh, that was a bad look. We don't need – Yeah, especially, especially when Irvin come out and say that in the 42 years that he's been with the organization, he had never seen anything like that. If Irvin Magic Johnson comes out, who's – yeah. Listen, part of the all NBA 75 anniversary team, of course, he's going to be there. But Anthony Davis is also a part of that team. <clears throat> so it's just for him to come out and say that. Yeah, that that sparks a lot. And a lot of people who are looking from the outside of that, the, a lot of people who are looking from the outside of that will say, oh, well, it's just early. It's too early. It's, don't worry about this. But, you know, that, that could be. If, if anything, that is a concern. Mm-hmm. It's not the fact that they're that they haven't won a game, they're, but or are they winning? Do they win on Friday night? Well, no, they're on two. They're one of seven winless teams in the NBA, including the Clippers, gotcha. so, including Boston, mm-hmm. uh, and a couple others. And I think Brooklyn is. I think Brooklyn is a part of that deal too. Yeah, they just lost to Charlotte, one eleven to ninety five. Charlotte is one of the Win, uh, unbeaten teams in the league, joining the Knicks, Washington, Charlotte, the Bulls, and on the other side, you got Utah, Memphis, Golden State, Minnesota, Denver. There, so though there are nine unbeaten teams and seven winless teams: Detroit, Orlando. Of course, we know they're going to be Oklahoma City and New Orleans are the others. New Orleans is zero and three, and the Lakers will have a chance to get off the Schneid. They play Memphis a little later on before going to San Antonio. So yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, ours is just the most notable winless teams. You know, a, yeah. a, a winless a winless LeBron team just doesn't make sense. 
Right. Right. Yeah, and 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 that's just what it is. Um, in in light of you know, this is the NBA 75th anniversary. Of course, they came out with their all uh, NBA 75 anniversary team. I do have a trivia question for yep. the two of you. Yep. Um. So, in league history, how many times has someone been NBA scoring champion and made NBA all first team defense in the same season. How many players have done it and who has and who has done it? I mean MJ good. Now the key is is that these guys are on the 75th anniversary team. So the answer is between one and seventy-five. Exactly. I will say that. <laughs> or I can cut it down to you. It's between one and fifteen. Right. So only so I will give you fifteen. I will give you fifteen. I give you that threshold. So how many players have done it and who has done it? Leon, you said MJ. Is is that the only player you think that has done it? I would say Dwight Howard, but I don't think Dwight Howard he, – he, he didn't make the list, and he didn't lead the league in scoring, but I know he made all these. That say, was a travesty of Dwight Howard didn't make that list either. I'd say Irvin and, – well, and Dwight Howard would definitely agree with you. I think he has already made that sentiment plainly, now, plainly known. Yes. Uh, I would say Magic had to, had to make it. Larry Bird so, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think it was this year? I would, I would think that it might have been Will Chamberlain. Maybe. Yeah, they. You know, if we're going, yeah, if, if we're Chamberlain. doing that, I have to say George Mikan. <laughs> Those are good answers. Those are actually really good answers. The answer is three. Okay. The three guys that have made it. Leon mentioned one, Michael Jordan. Of course, he's done it. Michael Jordan has done it nine times in his career. He's won the scoring title and been first-team all-defense nine times. The second person is the late, great Kobe Bryant. He did it the two times that he won the NBA scoring title. He was also all-first-team all-defense those years. The third person actually is Jerry West. He did it back in 1969. Wow. So those are the three guys. Jerry West. So it's only been three guys. To, and you would think that Wilt Chamberlain is one of them, right? Yeah, but. Yeah. yeah they, they probably weren't keeping that stat. No, they were keeping they that were. stat. He just didn't do it. Yeah. He just didn't. Oh, wow. He just wasn't an NBA scoring champion those years and first team all defense. That's, that's the thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you, you would think so. I thought Giannis was once, but Giannis has never been a scoring champion. Right. Yeah, because when it comes to all defense, there's two. There's pretty much in the '90s, there were two constant. There, there were two constants at all defense: Gary Payton and Michael Jordan. I think yeah. Gary. They, they both made it like ten straight years. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was the shooting guard. Gary Payton, um, yeah. point guard, all defense. You know, they're all defense backcourt. And I believe that that 1996. 
finals could have went another way, or at least a better way for the Sonics, if George Carl would have had Gary Payton guarding Michael Jordan the whole series. That's true. A lot of people are Still to this day, I'm like, go, go, who? Why did you have Hershey Hawkins guarding Jordan? That don't make no sense. But anyway, yeah. That's, that's history. Well, that's an right. interesting tri- trivia note by uh, by Daniel Bolton about that. Uh, just noticed something. Um, getting back to baseball for just a brief second. The 2022 All-Star Game will be held in Dodger Stadium. And guess who's going to be coaching the National League? The Atlanta Braves staff. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Brian Snicker. Ooh, yep. that will be a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> putting it mildly. Woo. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, we're talking NBA. Hawks looked really good against Dallas in their opener. Then they go up to Cleveland and lose to the Cavaliers. Again, as you mentioned, Leon, it's a long season. A long, arduous 82 game, although 80 now. Grind, we shouldn't take, we should take, we should take that with a grain of salt. But what did you, did you see anything um, in their win over Dallas, either one way or the other? I mean, Daniel, you yeah, can take, you, you, you can take it too if you, if you have, if you, if you, if you want to. Okay, go ahead, Leon. Go ahead, Leon. You got that one. Uh, this early in the season, I'm not. And uh, in, in, in understand that I have to take this stand, okay? Mm-hmm. In light of my own circumstances, this early in the season, I can't. I, I, I just can't. Um, there, there's. I, I can't take or give too much. You know, I can't too much put too much stock into anything right now in game and. Um, Anything under twenty games. Okay, all right. Think, things can turn. You know, right That's now fair. people are still getting the feel. Um, not a, not a, the Atlanta Hawks are going to be okay. Matter of fact, the Atlanta Hawks are going to be great this year. Yes, because from when you talk about a team that is very, you have a core that's intact. I don't think there are too many roster changes. No, there isn't. And with, with the Hawks, now I'll tell you, I'll tell you a team that I, I, I that's on the clock right now. You know what team that's on the clock? What team? The New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. They're on the clock. They are 0-3. Yeah. They are not doing well at all. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. Zion, when he hurt himself, has turned into Oliver Miller <laughs> overnight? Yep. I can buy that. I can agree with that. Yeah, man. Like I, I understand he hurt himself, and he's always had a problem with his weight, but... Damn. I think Zion, Zion's I mean, got running a real risk of turning into Greg Oden. He really is. Yeah. I, well, you think so? Because, you know, Greg Oden, you know, Zion, is, he, he's put up the numbers. He just, he, it's just his numbers have not had a real impact on his team winning. Right. Well, the difference is that is that Greg Oden, we never really got to see his full potential because he never played. Yeah. So, you know, even when he got drafted, I think he missed, like, the first two seasons of his career. And remember, we were thinking Joel Embiid was going to be the same way because Joel Embiid didn't play his first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Zion played maybe half of a, of a 
of the season or something like that. But I can see what you what you're saying. But we've seen what Zion Williamson can do, and we've seen what kind of impact he can have on the league and on a team when he is there. The question is, you're right, Leon. Is he going to stay healthy? Oh, John, John, rather, John said it. Is he going to stay healthy? And that's going to be a concern for me too, uh, going forward, because. We thought that this guy was box office when he was at Duke. Uh, he did just about everything you could ask of him. Nearly led that team to a national championship, but got cut off short, I think, at the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, it, it's starting to not look that great for him. Right. And you don't want to say that. He, he had an all-star season last year. He made it to the all-star game. But, man, it's... You want to see more out of this because I think he's a franchise player, and I think that if you build something around him, he can take that team to a he can make that team a playoff team. Yeah, because I mean, last year, I mean, he averaged. I mean, he, I mean, you know, he did all right last year. You know, he averaged, you know, a nice, uh, was it a respectable what twenty five points a game? Yep. So you know, he, he I think he's gonna he's gonna be. He's, he's going to be okay. I mean, I, I, I believe he's going to be better than Blake Griffin. I, I say that. You know what I'm saying? Blake Griffin, his prime was great. was sensational. You know, I think he's, you know, his fundamentals, you know, but Zion Williamson has a great jump shot. He's, he's going to be okay. Well, I think once he gets his weight down, he, I'm pretty sure they got him on nonstop cardio. But, like, say, his, but at the end, regardless of what's going on, his twenty five, his twenty five points per game, his his high flying, has not translated into wins. Has not translated into wins for his team. Right, that's exactly. And that, and, and that, yeah, it's, it's a, the W As I'm looking at it, Joel Embiid, for all he's become, Joel Embiid, top big man in the league. And his stats have translated into wins and big and beat playoff runs for his team. We have yet to see that out of Zion Williamson. And as well, there's other players. They, they um, Brandon Ingram. You know, great numbers, but does not translate into wins for his team. So I mean, they're, they're still young. I mean, Zion is 21 years old. Um, Brandon Ingram is, is maybe about 23. These are these are young guys and. The one thing about the NBA, they treat the rookies like real rookies. It's a man's league. And I'm talking about <laughs> for real. The, 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 you got the under-25 guys, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be, and, 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 you know, they, they have bright futures. But when you think of guys who are under the age of 25, you think of teams like the Kings and the Pelicans. You have rare exceptions in teams like the Hawks who perform up to expectations. The Hawks are doing what they're supposed to do, ladies and gentlemen, yep. who are listening. And they're, they're, they're doing. They um. They were. I, I said. I said time and time again that last year there's two teams, two two young aspiring teams. I like. I like to look at the Pelicans, Hawks. The Pelicans underachievers. If the Hawks last year overachieved, I believe. I, I believe overachieved. I, I think that I gave them one playoff series win, which is good against the Knicks. But then I didn't give him a chance to Philly. I didn't give him a chance. I'll be honest. I didn't give him a chance. Like, okay. Proceed to break I don't think anybody did. Yeah. 
They didn't just they didn't yeah. just beat him. They broke him. I mean, yeah. Simmons yeah. is a shell of himself, and that's yeah. been the issue this whole this whole off season. And and Leon, um, we're gonna have to leave it there. Uh, I say Leon because next week when we'll be talking, we'll be talking during the Patriots Chargers as your Chargers on a bye this week, getting healthy for the uh, remainder of the season, and they come back with the with. The New England Patriots, your your AFC West leading Chargers, will be playing New England in the main in the main late game tomorrow, so or next week. So uh, Daniel and I will be in action on uh, Thursday as Pace Academy visits Washington, and then we'll be headed up to North Carolina as Reinhardt plays St. Andrews. And again, this episode will be dropped on Tuesday. SoundCloud, I'm sorry, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Appreciate Daniel and Leon again talking as we all join together one week every Sunday, talk sports, and hopefully we'll be in the middle of everything next weekend with the World Series coming to town. That's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. Appreciate y'all listening. Appreciate y'all watching. Please stay tuned again for our next episode coming in seven days time. We are the last three guys to do a podcast and have a good night.